Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Now, let's yeah, get yeah. down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, before we begin, Kenneth, you know I always like to ask you this question. How you doing, man? Great, JJ. Glad to be here to talk Miami Heat ball. My mute button wanted to act up a second ago there, so it took me a minute to get on and respond, but... Nah, man, always, as always, lovely to be here, uh, glad to be here, happy to be alive, first of all. Second of all, always happy to talk Miami Heat ball, so let's get to it. Yeah, good week to be a Miami Heat fan. Currently atop the Eastern Conference standings at 11-5, and five, and, you know, life's good. Jimmy Butler's playing like an MVP candidate, and our team is currently on a four-game winning streak. So, let's dive into two of the games that have been part of the winning streak. We already covered the OKC Thunder game Monday night. Tonight, we're recording on November 19th of the year 2021. So, last night, the Miami Heat defeated the Washington Wizards. In a game that they seemingly had control over the entire game, which was surprising given that the, you know, the, the Wizards came into the game if I'm not mistaken, they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They had just lost to the Charlotte Hornets tonight. I'm glad you mentioned that, though, because I did want to throw that out, which could go either way. You know, they had a chink in their armor, um, but at the same time, it could also motivate them to play, you know, with a certain fire up under them, too. So I'm glad you but mentioned hey, that. Both teams were coming off a of back-to-back, so it's all fair. Oh, no, I'm definitely. Familiar. I wasn't mentioning that in reference to – you know, um, the fairness or unfairness of one team playing the other team not playing as much as with Washington coming off of a loss, it was one of those situations where, you know, it's either going to be really bad the next night or again, or you're going to play with a certain fire up on you. There's no middle ground coming off a loss. And at the same time, if you look at the situation from the Heat's perspective, that might have, you know, gave them some things to look towards or to be able to play towards who knows absolutely so before we dive into that game we need to do first the pelicans game a game that i was really afraid that was going to turn into a terrible loss after the hideous first quarter the pelicans at one point were up i want to say by 15 and you know it wasn't pretty it they they essentially were making every three-point shot they took in the first quarter and then afterwards they it was nothing. So, yeah. No Kyle Lowry and no Bam Adebayo for that game. Kyle was out for rest, and Bam missed his second straight game due to that knee soreness, bumping knees. You know, that knee has been bothering him for, for a while. Hopefully, yeah, that, that was gets probably solved. more maintenance than a pure injury. It's like if, if it were like, you know, game three in the playoffs, I'm sure he would have went. But against that team, um, perfect night to – continue to give him some rest to make sure that knee is 100% or as close as two you can get it right and considering you know it it was the first leg of a back-to-back and on the second leg of a back-to-back you're facing a good opponent so it was a no-brainer to arrest him if he wasn't feeling 100% 
or you know whatever percentage they feel comfortable with him playing. Anyway, the headliner of this game was Jimmy Butler. And this was his first game back after that injury he suffered against the Lakers. So he missed essentially a week of basketball. Missed the last, let's say the last four games before that game because he essentially yep. played one quarter of the Lakers. Let me see game. what you said. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, Jazz and, and, the the, and the Thunder. Yep. So he essentially missed all but one game of the of the West Coast trip. Which, again, might contribute to why the West Coast trip kind of went... Could have gone much worse, but it kind of went wrong there for a bit. Absolutely. I mean, it could have gone worse. Um, but at the same time, given the circumstances, you know what the Heat were without. I mean, you know what I mean? And that's something that's really going to be highlighted by the fact that we're going to talk about how Jimmy Butler has completely dominated the last two games. Oh, yeah. So, let's dive into that. Jimmy Butler and the win against the Pelicans, the Heat won 113 to 98. You know, I always love to point out that for the past three games, the Heat's opponents have scored on their 100. And to me, I love that when that happens, you know, because in the modern NBA, and you know, the rule changes have helped a bit, but yeah. The modern NBA holding an opponent under 100, I think it's a massive accomplishment and a testament yeah. to the defense. It used to be something like if you can hold an opponent under 90 or 85, 85, 90 points, you should have a chance to win. But to your point, in the new NBA, the rule is if you can keep your team under, if you can keep the opposition under 100, you should have a chance to win. Yeah. So, with that being said, three straight games holding your opponent under 100 points. I got to say that's mighty impressive. Although, well, you know what? I'm not going to take anything away from that. I'm not going to mention anything else. Let's talk about Jimmy Butler. First triple-double of the season against the New Orleans Pelicans, I want to say. Yes, I think it was the first triple-double of the season. Tied with LeBron James for most in Heat franchise history. So, you know, pretty good company there. And, of course, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 1 block. What more can you say about the one Jimmy Butler? He has been outstanding whenever he's played. And, yeah. Let's talk about that first quarter for a bit, though. They, the Heat were essentially allowing the, they weren't, I wouldn't say allowing, just that the Pelicans were getting a lot of open shots, but the Pelicans came into the game shooting 30% from deep. And right. then that's and why think, it was so. That's what it is, though. You hit on it, and I want to hit on that before you get too far away from it. The Heat just allow a lot of three point attempts, man. They hope to make up for it by making your two point attempts and everything you want to do off of that much harder than it typically is. But they allow a lot of open shots. Now, as you also mentioned, when you're dealing with the numbers itself, and then especially against a New Orleans team that doesn't shoot the ball well, then, I mean, that's not going to kill you. I mean, if the Heat continue to play like that, obviously they feel like it's not going to kill them on any given night to the point where they shouldn't do it anymore or kill them across the long haul. But especially against a New Orleans team, as you mentioned, that was shooting 30%, you say? Correct. And right. before before you keep on, I think that there's a lot of randomness to three-point shooting. Uh, unless you're the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> I agree, but I also say this, man, uh, and, and it wasn't a deep point. It was just to that notion. They went nuts early on in that first period against a team that allows a lot of shots and for a team against a team that allows a lot of open three-point looks, the Miami Heat, and for a team that's typically as poor as they are, the Pelicans. But 
Um, yes, there is a certain amount of randomness to it, but at the same time, everything else is going to balance out, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it eventually regressed to the mean. I mean, crap, the Pelicans shot terribly the rest of the way. They failed to crack the 20-point mark for the next two quarters. And in the fourth quarter, when it was basically a foregone... There were a lot of garbage time buckets in that fourth quarter, which made me kind of afraid that they were going to cross the 100-point threshold, but they did not. Right. So... And I mean, in that in that specific portion of the game, you actually can tolerate it too, especially if your guys are, like I put it to you like this: if we got Max Struess, Caleb Martin, KZ Akpala, Yurtsevin, and Gabe Vincent on the floor, and yeah, the other team cracks a hundred, but the Miami Heat maintains a fifteen point lead, which means that our third stringers or our developmental young guys are also putting up points. You can live with that, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and to your point, Kenneth, the Miami Heat. Currently, lead the league in. If I'm looking at this correctly, they allowed the most three point attempts per game at 41.5. Absolutely, they've all traditionally, bro, because of the switching defense and how they want to play you. They want to force you to take those looks because at the end of the day, and even though you know um, efficiency is what they are, and you know uh, analytics run basketball, the three point shot or the layup. The Miami Heat still believe that if they can keep you from beating them with easy baskets, then they have a good shot to win. And typically it works out more often than not. The overall point I wanted to make, man, even to that point of looking at the Pelicans coming out blazing, if you look at other teams, I mean, the random hubs, the random scrub heat killer phenomena is a part of it. And even if you look at guys like Malik Monk, Will Barton, um, the Denver Nuggets as a whole, teams that recently... Hey, come on guys, now, no. Let's not put I'm Will just, Barton in the in the random I'm, scrub heat killer. I'm, I didn't say him. I didn't say him. That's why I said teams and players. We've had that conversation. I'm just speaking about the phenomenon of shooting well against the Heat, and especially when you haven't yet this season or when your team hasn't been shooting well. I used the random scrub heat killers as a part of that example, not that everyone was each. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. No. Right. It, it's like suddenly, when suddenly they're playing giving... up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay, okay, go up. on, go on. They're playing up to the fact that they're playing the Heat. Whether in past years, since Jimmy Butler has been here, the Heat have been a team that you wanted to beat because they were a measuring stick type of team. Even before that, you knew you were going to face one of the best defensive and one of the hardest working teams coming into the night or coming into the league that night. And then this year, as of course, they look like one of the top teams in the league. So inevitably, for some reason or another, teams and players play up when they see the heat. So those shots that they haven't been hidden from a team perspective or a player perspective are going to, you know, typically go up because they're just feeling good. But no, I wasn't saying Will Barton's a random scrub heat killer. I was saying when you experience that phenomena, it's also a part of a guy or a team playing up because it's the heat. I threw hey. Will Barton out there because he had been struggling, but all of a sudden exploded when we played them a couple of days ago, going nine of something from three. That was the only point I was making. It's all good, brother. It's all good. <laughs> well, suddenly we've been, you know, I'll admit we have been like giving a lot of flowers to Will Barton here in the pod. But anyway, random scrub heat killer for this game was Nikhil Alexander Walker, finished with 24. Was making a lot of open shots, leading on transition. Surprisingly, though, you know, you kind of lose. You know what, I, though? I wouldn't even call him a random scrub heat killer. He's just mad and consistent right now. He could do that to any team. It's just that he'll never do it to any team five games in a row. And then he'll go two games where he gives you 30. 
Uh, it's just random inconsistency, but I see what you were hitting at. Place to the randomness of the random scrub heat killer. But anyway, you kind of alluded to something in the previous pod, which was maybe not saying that Dwayne Dedman is a better player, but maybe Dwayne Dedman was a better matchup for Jonas Valanciunas. And kind of turns out that he was because Jonas Valanciunas, I'll, I'll admit he was in foul trouble. They, the Heat made a point to attack him so that they could get him out of the game. And but 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 I know what you're gonna say. He had one of his poor games of the season. Didn't even get you his standard double double because Dwayne Dedman's size, physicality, and sheer aggression to match Jonas's aggression um, was effective against him. I totally agree. And you know there was a play where I think it was Gabe Vincent or something. He ran into a Jonas Valanciunas screen. It was an illegal screen, and they and it got called. But man, I felt for the guy because. That must not be very comfortable running into a Jonas Valanciunas screen. That must. That must anything probably anything be. physical with Jonas Valanciunas don't seem comfortable. I no. mean, there was one play where I think he elbowed Deadman in the neck, and I thought my neck broke. Yeah, it was, if it was any normal person's neck, it probably snapped in half. But you know, Dwayne Deadman's a tough, a tough dude. So, final thoughts on the Pelicans game. This was a game that had panic potential in the first quarter but then the team settled and I think it showed what this team is made of when with Jimmy Butler leading solely being the sole leader excuse me absolutely I mean it's just points we've been hitting that and especially something that I wrote at All You Can Heat where you can find me every day of the week for all your Miami Heat content if you like to read that type of stuff Um, check them out y'all absolutely appreciate it I kind of hinted towards that like the depth of this team is a weapon and the second unit would be amongst the tops in the league. And and what it says is even a you know against a now three and thirteen New Orleans Pelicans squad, one of the worst teams in the league. I know you're gonna say that, but they're still an NBA team. When you're missing your number two and three, well three and two and four guy, because for me it goes Jimmy, Bam, Tyler, then Kyle. So when you're missing your two and four guy, clearly you know two of the top guys on your team and you can still come out, come from behind and get the win going away. Um, you know, that means something that, that definitely speaks to us to depth and the, you know, total amount of talent that you had on your team as you were alluding to. And of course, when Jimmy's going 30, 10 and 10 for the triple double, that certainly helps as well. Uh, you mentioned Tyler. I almost forgot mentioning him. He had, he had a rough start to the game, but then he came on. He Absolutely. One of the, I think that's might be one of the best accidental shots I've ever seen in my oh, life. Oh, you're talking about the lob that never was? Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. It was but a terrible I, pass. I, it was a I, great I was shot. I was going to say, I alluded to that then, and Jimmy said the same thing after the game. Like, terrible pass, great shot. Insert Alonzo <laughs> morning gift. Yeah. But Tyler, standard Tyler hero line, 19 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal. One more than and, Jimmy. And here's the thing, man. Imagine he was terrible to open the game and still finish with almost 20. I oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> big shot maker can make the shots. That's all that matters. Well, surprisingly, the most he was getting the ball poked. He lost the ball like three straight possessions. And it was. I agree. He was shakier than usual to open up that game. Um, but you know what? Um, I don't know if it was the Pelicans pressing or thinking that he could get away with it. And what I meant by when I said, I don't know if it was the Pelicans, the same thing. It's thinking that he could get away with certain things because it was the Pelicans. 
Um, that was something, you know, of note. I'm glad you mentioned it. But, yeah, it was good to see him able to get that together in the middle of the game like that because last year, that, and, of course, this year isn't last year, especially based on the development and all we've seen thus far, of course. But just last year, you know, dare to say he finishes with like six or seven points if he gets off to that kind of start. But to see him be able to bounce back like that was encouraging to see, especially when you needed him again without Kyle and Bam. And a big part of that, you know, we got an everlasting Miami Heat image that I hope that when, when Tyler Hero becomes a superstar, we have that image of Kyle Lowry coaching him up in the middle of the huddle or when he was sitting down in the, on the bench in the middle of the, in the midst of the struggle. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We didn't Kyle, have that last year. I mean, when, when Tyler succeeds or does something well, watch Kyle's reaction. Like, there are a lot of times, and especially if Kyle isn't suiting up, because I noticed it in the Pelicans game too. Like, the way Kyle reacts to Tyler, of course him and Jimmy are like best buds, you know what I mean? But yeah. the way he reacts to Tyler's success is something special to behold too. I agree. Yeah. So, final, well, you know what? We can address this in the next game or, or as a whole. But there's something emerging with Caleb Martin. And I'm seriously, you know, this thought has been in my head for the last week or so. Not emerging. I told you when we first signed him, but go ahead and say it. Dude, I don't. Do we even try to keep KZ past the deadline and unlock a roster spot so we can convert Caleb's contract? Because, man, he has been so good. I know that, you know, he's not perfect. Obviously, no NBA player is perfect. But he, you know what I'm going to say? He has given you so much more than what KZ can. And KZ is just occupying a roster spot. And unfortunately, it seems like this is the end of the road for him, at least with the Heat, possibly, and I hope not, with the NBA. And I alluded to that when I was with a, with Javier talking with him in our Twitch live stream with El Calor de Miami. Well, I agree and disagree somewhat there. Um, I, like I said, I alluded to it prior to the season. I always knew that just based on the type of player he had been in college and his short time in the league, Caleb Martin's going to be that spark plug type of player for you once you instill the confidence in him. He's going to be the guy to come in, and it may not be but one or two at max three things a game. It may be a huge layup. It may be a huge finish. It may be diving out of bounds. It may be forcing that random steal that turns into a bucket that doesn't even have to be a bucket for him. He's just that type of spark plug guy that you could bring in as a rotational role guy, and he's always going to do that because he always plays with elite energy and effort. What I did not know is that he was such a springy athlete. And that <laughs> athleticism pops out at you because he's confident. He's not scared. Um, now, to see if that and continues... His, his, layup package, his layup package is pretty good. Eh, it's okay. I mean, his ability <laughs> to finish a lob is really good. But I'll tell Come you Come on, you're going to say it's okay after that crazy finish against Utah? Oh, no, 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 no. Like I said, his, and I alluded to that, his ability to finish a lob is top tier. But as far as the raw layup package, he wants to go to the finger roll too much for me. When you got springs like that, I need less finger rolling and more dunking on people. You see what I'm saying? Same thing with Bam. Sometimes he takes... Uh, absolutely, but Bam is getting there now. Well, you noticed it last night. 
he had a situation where he would have finger rolled it and dropped it in off the finger roll. It's a strong finger roll because you're not finger rolling it and letting it float up as much as for Bam, he's getting over top of the rim and just finger roll dropping it. But last night, he dunked that thing. But um, back to the initial point here. I mean, I can't and – I'll, and I'll allude to this because I how quickly we forget. It was KZ who basically um, played the small ball five for them when, you know, your yurt guy, and I'm saying you're not just you, but everybody's out there, couldn't get on the floor. And everybody's talking about, oh, his confidence must be shot. But then they say KZ isn't a league player. Well, KZ was playing over that guy. That's my only point. Give everybody a fair shake. But I can't defend KZ not shooting. And that's why he's not oh. seeing the floor. Oh, like if, if, and I, but I alluded to that at the OKC game. He seems scared to shoot the ball. And whether you make or miss, you got to shoot the damn ball. I can't defend that. So you may have a point there. I will say this, though, when you can see it in his success and immediately after that game, Spo loves KZ. So I don't know, even with how well Caleb's playing, that they're going to give up on KZ yet, um, which is a different topic. This ain't that. I, uh, to that point, though, to Gabe, to Caleb Martin, to even Yersev and a KZ, when you look at guys like Caleb Martin and when you look at guys like Gabe, and Gabe has said, fuck it, and just kind of played through the fire. Um, <laughs> when you give those guys a chance to play and actually mess up without worrying about what the fans and what everybody's going to say on every little trickle of a mess up, then things like that happen. So, I mean, at the same time, I'm not defending the guy because he's a professional. And, I mean, you know how I feel about him, but this ain't that. All I'm saying is when you give guys the opportunity to make mistakes that you've given Caleb and that you've given Gabe without saying you're going to snatch him or cut him from the team after every sequence, then maybe that's how they act. Because, I mean, you know, some of you guys act like that. But I digress. Hmm. Interesting point on Casey. Although, let's – I would say – not yet, but we have to keep let oh, no, the definitely. season keep rolling. But I agree with you, though. I let that let that point be known and let the record show. I agree with you. I can't defend him not shooting the ball and for everything else that I think he offers. At a point, if you run out of Caleb's fifty games and you want to maintain that roster spot, they're probably going to move on from him. Especially if he doesn't begin to show any more confidence in his own abilities. Because how in the yeah. hell is anybody else going to be confident in abilities that he can't be? So I agree. If if Caleb continues to progress, like which is something that I mentioned in the beginning of this spew as well, I need Caleb to continue to be consistent because, you know, sometimes guys flame up and spark up and then all of a sudden it dissipates. You know what I mean? So if he continues to be this, and especially if KZ continues to show a lack of confidence as he's shown, you know, in his inability to even get off a shot. Do you remember that sequence? I want to say it might have been early in the Pelicans game before we went to UD, um, KZ had a shot, and it was like two seconds on the shot clock. And as opposed and to taking his open damn shot, he passed the ball back to the top of the key, which resulted in a heat shot clock violation. I can't take that. Even I can't, won't, or will not try to defend that, JJ, because it's absolutely unacceptable. So, again, no. all in all, I agree with your grand point. I think even Ben Simmons would have shot that. Go ahead, brother. Don't do me like that. That's bullshit. <laughs> I will not take that. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really painful to watch in real in real time. KZ with the shot clock winding down, the man decided to pass up a wide open three at that to a I've, 
but but to Duncan Robinson, who, who basically, hey, look, you know, man, he, I, now see, I will say something about that. I wanted to give him a pass, but I couldn't because you can see it's an overall fear. But I will say this: he never gave up a shot to a poor shooter. Like if he gave up a shot, or he was trying to find Tyler or Duncan, which I can respect. But at the same time, I need you to shoot your shots too. Let me ask you, need you to this be, though: you need to be smarter in that situation. There's two Absolutely. seconds on the shot clock. You need to let you that to shit let, go. Um, let it fly. Let it fly. I agree. Let me ask you this, though. So even when he was playing well against – and you brought this up, so you opened this can of worms. It just opened this question for me. Even All when right, he was playing ahead. well against Oklahoma City, how come people still found bad things to say about him where they give you know guys like Caleb every chance to mess up when Caleb oftentimes does too much? Well, remember, Caleb is the – the new face. Everybody loves the new the new thing. Ah, uh, okay, fair enough. You you make a good point. Everybody loves the new thing. You the make new a guy. good point. Okay, okay. Well, Yurt's a new face too, so I guess you're right on that one. But to but to the point I made about Gabe and the tie ball runner, man. Look, everybody talked trash about Gabe and wonder whether Gabe was an NBA player and wanted to cut Gabe and have been signing John Wall and every other scrap heat point guard that they could find out there. But By once the way, you gave John Gabe Wall is not John Wall is not giving up. Any oh hell no! Money. He's not giving up a hundred million dollars because that's about what the money you're talking about between this year and next year is a hundred million dollars. He's not gonna give that up. Eighty something like eighty-eight, eighty-nine specifically, but close enough to a hundred. Shit. Um, yeah. It's like once Gabe had the chance and knew that he couldn't come out because we needed him there for death purposes with Tyler being out and Kyle missing time and Max Struess missing time and of course you know Duncan not hitting, so just needing somebody for a body and trying to give you something else if Duncan couldn't give you the shooting. Um, he's come through, but sometimes it takes that opportunity to mess up or to be shitty in order to get to your 18.3 rebound to assist performance with a monster monkey dunk on the rim like Gabe Vincent did. Shout out to Nomni for that, by the way. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he had it in him. So, yeah, let's talk about Heat Wizards. I, I, now, yeah, we, I didn't know he had those springs that. either, JJ. I, I didn't know he had those boy yoings. The leading bench score for the game was Gabe Vincent. 18 points and it was wow it was surreal because it's a guy that you know we have all been watching from three 50 percent from three three of six i mean not bad at uh, all you know i always wondered why he has such a pretty shooting form gabe is the but unluckiest it, guy in the world bro it always goes in and comes out with gabe it's never a terrible shot alluding to what you're saying it goes in the rim and comes back out and it's such a pretty shot and it doesn't go in. Every time I see him, she'll go, man, that should go in every single time. And it just doesn't for him. And as you said, a lot of times it goes in and out, just bounces off the rim, like inside the rim or something. It's, yeah, and I hope, you know, I'm happy for the guy finally getting his shots to go. Another guy that I really want to talk about, and I raved about him when I was with in, in the Twitch stream, PJ Tucker. I think he has just been nothing short of magnificent. On defense, he has been as expected. But on the boards, you know, I, I don't think the rebounding numbers properly reflect, reflect just, how, just how good he has been in the rebounding department. Boxing out guys so the, other, so the team has a chance to grab an offensive rebound or secure the defensive rebound. Being at the right spot, setting screens, hard screens for shooters like Tyler or Duncan. There you and go. Draining his open shots. 
That was the oh, big yeah. concern coming in because we all thought, Absolutely. well, this guy was basically a negative on the offensive end. And by the way, that floater, I saw it. I saw it. That's oh, yeah, that, man. I, that floater you, will you, always go in. You're stepping all over my toes, but I, I had to let you get your stuff off because it's good stuff. You were speaking towards the actual counting stat, the one we can look at, the rebounding. But the grand point you were speaking towards, the physicality and the physically imposing presence that PJ has brought to this team you did. You knew it because PJ is PJ, and he's solid, and he's always played bigger than he was, and he's always been a center that's built like a small four. But you didn't realize it was like this. So everything you're talking about, the hard screens, the physically imposing presence on the boards, clearing way out so your man can do his thing, whether that be on the glass, going to the rim, just creating space. And then, like you said, the floater game. Um, Spo obviously told PJ, look, we want you to do more on the offensive end than you've been doing. We don't want you to do anything you're uncomfortable doing, but anything that you're comfortable doing, we want it. We'll take it. We need it because he showed you everything that he has in the bag. Um, I've been meaning to write this for the last several days, and I'm going to get it out in the next several days. But just the offensive package and the extra stuff outside of defense, P.J. Tucker um, and, and Locked On Heat and, um, you know, the guys Rommel over there, he tweeted it out last night. Is P.J. Tucker too is, – is a 36-year-old too old for MIP? And he's asking for P.J. Tucker because, mm-hmm. I mean, with the with the floater game, like you said, the moves off the dribble, P.J.'s initiating the offense. P.J.'s basically – he's basically Miami Draymond Green light. Am I off? Well, Sansa passing. Well, I said light. I said light. And even <laughs> – and, and, I, and I said L-I-T-E light for this reason. Yes, not at a high volume, but did you see the back cut dime to Jimmy? Oh yeah, he he can he show off of it. He got it in the bag. Yeah, he has it in the bag. I will it's say just though, not built this know, much for him. I will say though, you know, gotta throw a negative in there because you know we we like to throw some negative. He looks hilarious dribbling the ball sometimes. Oh yeah, I, I didn't say he look good, JJ. It's effective. It doesn't gotta look good as long as it works. <laughs> he looks hilarious. I mean, the, the spin move, the spin move. I mean, was slow. Was so slow that my grandmother could have guarded it. But he's so strong that he would have broke my grandmother's hip when he drop step. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. My goodness. But yeah, PJ Tucker, nothing, nothing short of magnificent. And I think we've given enough flowers to our guy, Jimmy Butler. Top 10 player in the world, by the way. Absolutely. Um, has already played itself into, I'm going to be safe and say minimally a top six heat player. For me, he's probably a top heat guy right now but at minimally already he's a top six player in heat history minimally mm. right now hmm. he's getting there I, I mean he's getting close to top five stats oh he's because, getting way, to the mount Ru- he's getting to the mount rushmore i think he's who, there who would you have right now so See, look, it should be zoe way put me on the spot here's the <laughs> thing man here's the thing so some names are gonna shock you who's yours mount rushmore that would be four top four yep LeBron, as much as people, I don't know why there's a section of the Heat fan base that refuses to acknowledge him. Right. The man brought us so much glory in the absolutely admittedly short, admittedly short stint he had here. LeBron James. Two out of four, two titles in four years. Should have been three, but we're not going to talk about that one. Right, right, right. But two in four years is an astonishing number. Dwayne Wade. I mean. What more can you say about Dwayne Wade that hasn't been Absolutely. said? So I, I think the last we, we, one is always the controversial one. But go ahead, Lonzo Mourning. I think that's 
also a pretty universal one. The last one, though, there are some interesting candidates. There's Tim Hardaway, there's Shaquille O'Neal, and then there's Chris Bosh. So, I'm sorry about was, the guest appearance. No, that's okay. We always appreciate a guest appearance in, in the Theorify Culture Pod. We're dog friendly here. So, there lies the, the, the dilemma. Who's your fourth, <laughs> man? Tell me your fourth. Because I got something to say to you. Ooh. Okay, I'm, I'll admit I'm a young guy, so maybe I don't understand. I don't understand the impact of Tim Hardaway's play and status for the Miami Heat. So, I will say, dang it, I'm going to say Chris Bosh. Here's the thing, man. Um, Zoe is an all-time great, and Zoe is a Heat legend, but Zoe didn't win a ring. Well, not he did win a the, ring? Not as the oh, yeah, featured not- player, not as the featured guy. He won a ring as like, a, he won a ring as like Udonis Haslam, you know what I mean? So, I mean, for me, and Zoe is Heat royalty, so this isn't knocking Zoe. But we want a ring because of Shaq. So for me, it goes LeBron, D Wade, Shaq. And there's a toss up between Zoe, Jimmy, and Chris Bosch for that fourth one. Zoe is outright the more Miami Heat legendary guy for what he meant to the organization, what he did, establishing the culture, helped making he was them the what first, they were. I would say he was the first big time Miami Heat player. Right. And I agree with that. I, that's why I say establishing the culture, making them what they were. But when you talk about impact on the game and impact on winning, I think that Jimmy Butler has had a bigger impact than him or Chris Bosch. But when you go back to the rings of it all, that's when Chris Bosch has a leg up. So that's why I use that six number, not arbitrarily, because you know what I mean? You're four, five, six, and you're telling me Zoe, CB, or Jimmy right now, I'm not mad at you. And you know, gotta throw some respect there to Tim Hardaway, but yeah. Oh, he's right there on the back end, seven. Seven, eight, because I mean, you could argue him a cycle you know what I mean? You know, Round out of the top ten with UD and Goran, probably. Um, UD's definitely UD's definitely seven, eight, nine ish. And yeah, I would probably say Goran's ten. Goran's probably top ten. That's something we're gonna definitely lock down for a future episode. But you put me on the spot and you carry me too fast, <laughs> and I don't like to do that. Um, yeah. let's get a couple of minutes on Saturday's Wizards game, man, to wrap things up. Um, oh yeah, I we we, it, we didn't say the final result though. Which is game? By the way, Tyler did not play, and he will not play on Saturday. So one twelve ninety seven, one twelve ninety seven, and Bradley, Bradley Beal had thirty points, but didn't feel like he had thirty. It was a quiet thirty, an ineffective thirty. Um, the the thirty that mattered was the second consecutive thirty point performance that Jimmy put up because that was on the way to his team winning by ten. I mean by fifteen actually. So yeah, very quickly. So, you know, to beat the number one seed, to beat the number one seed in the East um, by 15 points, which inevitably pushes them back down to four and pushes you into a tie for the lead in the conference. I think that's a pretty good way to. I think that's a pretty good way to do it, especially in the, the game first that. Set. In the game that was, I feel like was never in doubt for a, no. for a reason. And it's and it's strange, man. And and it kind of plays into as we go into preview the second part of the home at home, as that first game was in Miami on Thursday and the second part of this set is in Washington on Saturday, which is tomorrow as we record on Friday, November the uh, 19th here. Um, 
typically because Washington and Miami play each other so much, there's a familiarity there. There's a familiarity there. And although they're scrappy, tough, close games, Miami and Coach Spoh seem to have their number. And, you know, a couple of people alluded to it yesterday. There's, they don't like the lack of sense of urgency, but it's just the history, man. Spo has owned Washington, so that doesn't mean we don't respect them. It just means we expect to win whenever we play them. Shout out to Spo for that absolutely oh, the, incredible. Oh, the table jump? And table jump. That was amazing, <laughs> really. It's his house, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So, so it was no Spencer Dinwiddie last night. That's something we have to look forward to Saturday. But, again, alluding to the tough and scrappy nature and of the games. and No Daniel Gafford know, as well. Absolutely. That was something, too. And you could maybe point to Bam going 20-9 and nine as something that Gafford could help fight against. But I don't think he has that great of impact. I mean, he's to be a, honest with you, I think Spencer Dinwiddie and Gafford are good little players, but I don't think either of them change the result of Thursday's game or have that great an impact on Saturday's game. It might be closer because it's in Washington, but I still think Miami should win that game. And, you know, Gafford you know, Gafford is important for Washington's defensive scheme because, as you know, they allow the least three-point attempts in the league, so they sell out to stop the three so that inevitably... Oh, yeah, he protects the, the, the rim. He's a, he's a long dude. I agree. And but as I, good I, as as good as Trez Harrell is, he's, he's not small. a rim protector. He's small, right? But that was about what that was what I was going to say. With Bam's ability now to midi you to death, he can render Gaffer ineffective, and that's after everybody sells out. So it's I, even with Gaffer back, if he plays, I expect a lot of layups because he's going to have to step out. So he's going to have to after Bam hits two or three of them or at least after he takes five or six of them, Gaff is going to have to step out, and that's going to open up the cup. Yeah. So final predictions for this game before we leave. We actually thought that before the before this episode, you know, the previous episode, we thought that the Heat were either going to lose last game or the next game. Now we're feeling as confident as ever in this team. Do you want to change your 3-1 and one prediction for the week, or do you want to stick to it? No, I'm going to change my prediction, man. I think we go into Washington. To be honest, I I said that just respecting Washington and what their record is um, and what they've done this season. But as I mentioned on the last episode, even with that record, I know what our history is. Seeing it play out like it did on Thursday, I'm sorry, and it's not cocky heat. Well, you know what? I'm not sorry. Cocky heat fan back. Um, Let's go. We still we still own Washington, man. I expect us to beat them tomorrow. Maybe not by fifteen, but maybe by eight or nine. I expect a tighter game, much tighter game. Could either could be a game that comes comes down to the final possession, because it will be the third straight loss for the Wizards if they lose against the Heat. So then that will prompt some conversations around: Are the Wizards for real or whatever? Because oh, totally, or just a good start. But you also have to consider, um, even though we won't have Tyler Hero tomorrow um because it's been reported and i Do you say think that gabe benson goes him. for 18 again right i was just about to say you know will we have gabe benson's production which means that you'll have to get more from cal laurie and maybe even bam out which may be a worse thing for the wizards you will rather have gabe benson beating you than cal laurie and, and bam out right oh yeah of course but that part kind of worries me because maybe i've well Historically, Gabe Vincent is not that type of guy, Absolutely. and I'm worried if, if it if that type of game travels with him to Washington, and uh, you know the the Wizards defense will probably 
have something schemed up for him. That's my question, though. Does it need to? Because I'll say this, and this is the thing I love and hate about Cal Lord. I want Cal Lord to be the same dude every night, night in and night out. I need you taking your shots. I need you getting your points. I need 15 points a night from you, Cal Lord, minimally. That would be my preference. However, where he excels is knowing where to come on when the team needs him. And you can look at that Clippers game as a prime example. And even though we lost, the man scored 22 in the fourth period and gave us every chance to win that game. Um, so I love almost the fact that he could. Absolutely. Almost won us the game by himself. Absolutely. I love the fact that he comes on when you absolutely need him the most. And I think that if we're in a situation on Saturday where Gabe Vance is struggling or needs a hand or needs a boost or the team needs a boost or Jimmy needs a boost or Bam needs a boost from a scoring perspective or anything, I think that Cal Lowry is more than comfortable and capable enough of doing that. So that's why I get I, it. Again, I don't think that it's a blowout, but I think we win the game. Ideally, Kyle Lowry plays like he played in, in Dallas. That was his best game of the season, I think. By a healthy mm, margin, although that that, did, that Utah triple game, double though the triple double, yeah, I was that about Utah to say, game was tough. pretty good. That's but tough. It's just at the Dallas I, game. I don't need you scoring a ton if you're going to give me the triple. Like I said, all I need is 15. So if you give me 13, 12, and 11, that's a damn good game for me, you know? Yeah. So I think this should be a good place to wrap it up. Absolutely, really man. looking forward to this game, and you know the schedule softens up. After such a brutal start, oh hell we'll yeah! Have... I mean, murderous road for us to open the season, especially with this West Coast road trip. Yeah. Do you but know anyway... what happens on November 29th, By the way. Hmm. I I've been I think I've been pretty open, about what I <laughs> want to see happen on November 29th. I just wanted to give the people a little preview and get you read up for it. We have more episodes oh, in between. Just just stay tuned, though. <laughs> by the way, Markeith Morris. Has missed every single game since then, I mean, and he will also miss. He missed six next, games with next. a fake injury, and and Jokic has missed one. Yeah, but somehow it was justified. It was, and it was just a guy. fake injury. It was just a fake injury, man. Yeah. From so, the tough, yeah. From, from the fake tough guys over there in Miami, it's just a fake injury. Let's leave it at that. We'll see them on November 29th. With that being said. Thank you for listening to this episode of 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a short review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate that as it helps the show grow. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. And where can they find you on social media, my friend? You can find me on Twitter at JJRiveraNBA. That's at J-J-R-I-V as in Victor E-R-A-N-B-A. And on Instagram, you can find me at JRivera98. That's at J-A-I-R-O. R-I-V-S and Victor E-R-A 98. Where can they find you, my friend? Listen, man, on Twitter, they can find me at K underscore said underscore K. That's K underscore S-A-I-D underscore Q-U-E. Again, K underscore said underscore K on Twitter. And on Instagram, you guys can find me at I-M-K-Cyrus. That's I-A-M-K-C-I-R-R-U-S. Again, on Instagram, you can find me at I-M-K-Cyrus. Give both us a follow. Give the shows a follow. Check out All You Can Heat. We appreciate you guys' ears taking the time to listen to us. We're just glad that we're able to bring you this, you know, content as much as we can twice a week regularly. Absolutely. So thank you for sticking with us, and we'll see you. We'll see more of us in the future. Stick around. See you next week. Bye bye.